All right. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another week of the Seatstruck Movie Podcast. My name is John, and joining me are my co-hosts, as always, uh, Curtis. Hello. And Quinn. Hello, hello. Uh, we're pleased to be joining you today. It's our uh, third episode today. Before we get into just want to say for those of you who have been listening, thanks a lot for your support and 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 giving us good feedback. We've gotten a lot of, um, so far from what I've looked at the numbers, we've been getting a lot of people interested in this podcast and, and listening to it. So uh, your support is appreciated. Today is our third episode and it just for uh context it's uh, july uh, 31st 2021 today i think by the time i upload this it'll probably be in a hopefully in a couple of weeks or uh, we we don't i don't think we've set on a, a serious release schedule yet so if you're in our audience just subscribe to us on the um either the RSS feed or on wherever you listen to Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, we'll be probably coming up with episodes every week, every two weeks. So uh, stay tuned for that. So today's a pretty fun um, topic. Do you guys want to mention anything before we get into it? How is, uh, how's your day? How's your morning slash how's your afternoon Curtis uh, today? It's been good, man. Well, I'm just getting in the mood. You know, I had some, uh, my, my friend left some pizza in my fridge. So I, uh, I thought, well, you nice. know, you can't go wrong with space jam and pizza, right? So <laughs> it's a good nineties combination, right? Yeah. And it's like I, a good birthday party in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting outside today, which is nice. It's a really nice day in Germany and I'm kind of been space jamming, just uh, working on projects. So it's been, it's been good. How are you guys doing? How are you getting on Quinn? Not too bad. Not too bad. I tried to go to bed last night at a reasonable adult time, try to be responsible. And then I was like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. So I ended up at the, you know, on the couch at like three o'clock in the morning watching the Olympics. And I was like, you know what? I'm here for it. I'm off work. I don't go back to work till next week. So it is what it is. Nice. And as I just told my co-host before we recorded, I, I myself, I just woke up. So um, if, you, if you hear me kind of going from 50% to 75, 200, that's you've got, why. You've got, that, you've got that base this morning. They, I got to I got, I get, I'm, 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 I'm drinking a cup of Michael Jordan special uh, juice. So I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. once I drink that, I'll be ready to go you're, you're gonna be ready to crush the monsters that's right yeah yeah exactly yeah. so yeah um, you'll, you'll you'll get the talent you'll get the talent back from the ball yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll suck up my talent back from the aliens who stole it yeah so today everyone today we're talking it's the first of our series of of personal canon episodes of so as you know we're doing uh, we're kind of rotating between different um episode themes or topics we're starting of course a john carpenter watch series we just did Dark Star. We're going to be talking next about Assault on Precinct 13. And I, we, we, when we discussed doing this podcast, we talked the idea about, you know, different topics. We could do special topics, stuff like that. Um, I suggested, you know, personal canon. So it doesn't have to be necessarily like great movies or like the best movies ever, but movies that you watched as a kid, or if you had to kind of go on a desert island and come up with your short list of you know, your essential movies or movies that meant a lot to you, uh, this is it. And I picked today... Um, the 1996 movie, the cult classic Space Jam, starring, of course, Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. Um, before I get into it, I guess the reason why I picked this movie, first of all, this was a pretty um, important movie for me as a kid. I wasn't really like into basketball that much when I first watched it. I only would have been like six or seven when I first saw this. But uh, I was just, you know, at that time, the the Toronto Raptors were starting out. So I was watching a, I was, I was pretty into the Raptors. And I, even though I'm, I consider myself now a Bulls fan, I, I do enjoy the Raptors. But um, this movie is really what kind of got me into watching and appreciating basketball more. Um, it's what got me into watching the Bulls. I'm, I'm one of the, the unfortunate few who grew up after the Jordan era. So like I I didn't really watch them when the Bulls were that good, even though this movie's all about kind of the nostalgia and celebrating Michael Jordan and his success as like a star in, in the sports world. I was a little bit too young for that. So I didn't really like catch on. But um, yeah, this movie really got me into basketball. It made me a Bulls fan. 
And uh, moreover, it was just a movie that I loved watching as a young child. Although I have a kind of a weird story. The first time I watched this movie as a kid um, was the same day that our family cat had to be put down. Uh, oh, it, was a, it was a pretty, no, no, it's, it's kind of weird, but we were in the basement. Our cat had a seizure and my, me and my brother saw the cat. We're like, what's going on with the cat? And my parents were like, oh, fuck. So they're like, uh, uh, the cat's okay. We just have to get her checked out. Um, here, watch this movie with the neighbors. And they put on Space Jam. So that's the first time. I, it's a pretty dark story. But the first time I ever watched Space Jam was uh, our tragic uh, story of our family cat dying. Although I was pretty young, so I wasn't like too scarred by it. But uh, because of that, like this movie always will just be stuck in my brain for a really weird uh, reason. Um we can, we're we're going to talk about this movie, but first, before we get into the actual movie itself, another reason why I picked this movie, of course, is um, if you've been following, of course, news or, you know, new movie releases, the uh, the sequel, the Space Jam New Legacy just came out, I think, uh, two weeks ago, and it's it's still in theaters today, and and from what I've heard, that movie, uh, I've heard, like, pretty, uh, a few a few positives and, and mostly pretty negatives. I see Curtis right now, he's like... Thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. Two thumbs down. If I if I remember correctly, you turned it on. You said, and you like turned it off within fifteen minutes. Yeah, I, I really wanted to like it. You know, I love LeBron James, and I I love you know Looney Tunes, obviously. But I don't know. It was like just the con like concept. It was like fighting CGI, and I was like, well, there's no monsters, and like I don't know. There's it's barely Bugs Bunny, and you know, it just it's not the same. And I was like, I was telling Quinn before. I think you know. Space Jam is one of those 90s movies and it kind of feels like it's in its own time and space, you know, like Independence Day and uh, what's another one? Uh, Page Master or something too. Yeah. And I mean, it's just it's just like Independence Day too, you know, like <laughs> Dr. Oaken's dead, you know, what did Randy Quaid die for at the end of Independence Day if they're going to have Independence Day too, you know? So it's just it's like Jumanji too. It's just like, I don't know. I, so I, I think it's also kind of tied to a certain nostalgia too. So yeah. for me, it would just, uh, I couldn't get into it. Yeah, yeah. We're heavily in the era of mining, like 90s. I mean, we kind of, we're still in the 80s mining, but like, I feel like last decade when we were like, you know, teenagers in our 20s, you know, 80s nostalgia was rampant. We had like Transformers. We had like another Ninja Turtles reboot. It was a lot of mining of like 80s yeah. I think IP just, properties. They just released the He-Man and the Universe on Netflix, like a, re like oh, a that's right. Yeah. series too. Yeah, so it's still like really much 80s. I think it's um, Kevin Smith directing it too so he's kind yeah, of yeah. putting all these subversions on it too so he man's like smoochie boochies <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so crazy stuff <laughs> so i i knew uh, i've watched this movie tons tons of times but i didn't really know a whole lot about how this movie kind of came about or, or kind of its origin um so this movie actually kind of germinates back to uh in the the super bowl in 1992 and 93 there was a series of commercials that were released uh, starring Michael Jordan and featuring like Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes. The first one is sort of like, it's almost right out of Space Jam. It's like this pickup basketball uh, game, kind of like the end of this movie. And Jordan's there playing like a pickup game with a bunch of with a bunch of people. And Bugs Bunny appears and it's like him and Bugs Bunny like playing basketball against these guys. It's pretty funny. Um, and another, the next commercial that came out um, is a little, it's a little bit different. It's on, it's on Mars starring uh, Marvin the Martian. And it's like between Bugs Bunny and, and Michael Jordan and Marvin the Martian. Um, and so those were pretty, those were a pretty big hit. Those two commercials were called Air Jordan, Aerospace Jordan, you know, reference to Air Jordan, his nickname. <laughs> um, and, you know, this, you know, th this was kind of featuring kind of like with uh, Roger Rabbit, like superimposed animation on like a live action uh, screen. I feel like that's really what this movie and kind of the series was really, really influenced by was, you know, the breakthrough of that movie and how it, you know, cleverly did and, and kind of original for its time, you know, superimposed as a classic animated cartoon characters and figures on that and i believe in, in roger rabbit it's been a, like ages since i've seen that movie but there's this <laughs> scene where he goes to the animated world you actually see like bugs bunny or i don't know if it's supposed to be bugs bunny or like a 
uh, a commercial free ripoff of Bugs Bunny. But uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how that uh, he appears in that one there, too. So both of those um, commercials were directed by uh, Joe Pitka, who would go on, of course, to direct uh, Space Jam. Um, these ads were also actually inspired by, if you've seen those uh, Spike Lee, Mars Blackman ads from where it's, he's supposed to be like, she's got to have it with Michael Jordan. That was sort of the origin, the, the origin story for why they decided to kind of do those commercials. Jordan considered Bugs Bunny childhood years. It's interesting, though, how, uh, you know, I love Spike Lee as a director, too. It would have been kind of interesting to see him do the kind of uh, sequel in a way, too, because, I mean, he always has this really cool spin on things, too. And I love Do the Right Thing is one of my favorite 90s movies, too. I mean, it's just perfect for those kind of hot summer nights, you know, and it would be kind of cool to see him do it, although maybe some things are best left untouched, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, he was a Joe Pitka was a commercial director. He had mostly done um, various like um, a few music videos, mostly commercials. He's kind of considered one of the most like uh, critically, not really necessarily critically claimed, but like one of the most successful commercial directors. He's got a lot of nominations for awards for various uh, commercials. And I mean, we're going to get to the movie, but I think you can kind of see that in this movie where it does kind of feel like you're watching just like a giant commercial, just the way it's shot and everything, too. Um, so originally there was reluctance from Warner Brothers to do these commercials. However, um, they were quite successful. And then that was kind of the starting point for the idea of Space Jam. However, if you follow your basketball, you'll know that 1993, uh, Jordan, you know, wins his third title with the Bulls, decides to retire. It's a huge surprise. He retires uh, and cites the idea that he wants to play baseball. And so Jordan's on kind of a hiatus. The movie, as a result, is also sort of like kind of put on ice um, until 1995 when Michael Jordan suddenly announces his return to the Bulls, literally with like a one sentence letter where he's like, I'm back. That's literally how he came back to the Bulls. And uh, that's when the movie kind of processed and production started to pick back up again. Um, it was pitched to different studios at first, which is kind of weird to think of. Um, and Warner Brothers originally rejected the idea for the movie. However, uh, Joe Pitka was able to convince him to take it on. He was like, you don't want to miss out on this, like billions of dollars of potential merchandise, which that's going to kind of come into my kind of critique, I guess, of the, of the overall ethos of this movie, which is this is pretty much just like a crass commercial uh, property. There's no real I mean, there's art, I guess, in the way that it's created. But this movie is pretty clearly just uh, meant to be just a, a money making thing, a, a total franchise tie between cartoons and Michael Jordan. It really in that way, it also kind of fits into the 90s, which was all about kind of the gross, the continued uh, commercialization of a lot of different uh, sports figures we had like commercials with like the player all-stars and stuff like that and and cereal boxes with all these guys and um yeah this is just this movie is just a total like uh love letter to capitalism i guess so you could say it i don't know <laughs> but um this movie they started working on in the 90 in 1995 pitka was informed that he actually had like months to really do this movie this movie really came about in the, like a 12-month period it's pretty impressive um how they were able to do this um, casting, although for this movie was a little bit difficult, um, they actually considered different actors to start. Uh, Michael, for the character um, that would become uh, Phil, played by Wayne Knight, they considered Michael J. Fox and Chevy Chase. And actually, they, at one point, they weren't sure if Michael Jordan was going to be in the movie, so they considered um, replacing him with an actual actor. They also tried to get uh, George Mershon, who's uh, one of like the tallest players to ever play in the NBA, to get him in the movie as well, too. But uh, they ended up with like, Charles Barkley, Sean Bradley. So they got a pretty good cast of a who's who of 90s basketball players. And and on the voice side for animation, you know, we have Bugs Bunny, all the, the lovely uh, Looney Tunes characters. We have kind of like a who's a contemporary at the time who's who of, of various voice actors, you know, Billy West, who's done like Futurama and a lot of different things. Steve Bradley Baker, Bob Bergen, even the great June Foray, who I think she only passed away like 
four years ago. I think she died like just before her hundredth birthday. You know, she's kind of like a throwback classic animation voice actress who's done like pretty much everything since the fifties and onward. She's in this. Um, one of the rare exceptions is that, you know, Danny DeVito plays the voice of the, I guess the moron mountain leader, whomever's <laughs> Mr. Swackhammer. Originally this was considered to be like a live action character. They actually had, um, Jack Palance and, and Dennis Hopper attached the role. I'm just imagining like Dennis Hopper from Blue Velvet. Just be like, baby yeah. wants to fuck. He's like trying to like, direct them. They're like, yo, what the fuck's going on? Pour me a uh, fucking beer. <laughs> fuck that Heineken. shit. Blue Heineken. <laughs> the animation on this, however, was, was quite impressive. I, I didn't really know. You know, I never thought much about the animation of this because, you know, when it came out, I was like, this is I was like seven. I'm like, this is probably good. I don't know. I'm seven years old. I have no reference level. You know, watching it now, I'm like, it's dated, but you know, it still looks pretty slick. This was actually a genuinely audacious project for its time. Um, the production of it took 19 months. Originally, it was going to be um, animated all in the classic Warner Brothers lot, but they ended up contracting out to various studios around um, Canada and the United States. Um, at the time, it was actually the most composed shots in the film. Uh, I think it was like 1,043 uh, comp composited shots um, using computer technology. It's one of kind of the early films. I mean, it's not the first, but it's one of the early films um, to use computer technology in that way, especially with um, using true green screen uh, virtual studio. I mean, now it's common for everything, especially like a lot of movie franchises over the years, especially like those Star Wars remakes or prequels. They were almost like exclusively filmed and like characters wearing like green morph suits with like tennis balls all over them, you know, because it's all like digitally uh, composite after the fact. Space Jam was like one of the first movies to really do that. So it was genuinely um, cutting edge for its time. Um, for Michael Jordan, you know, he's kind of the main, you know, star of this, the, the star driver. They actually built an onset NBA court for Michael Jordan. So like when they were filming it, of course, they do live action scenes. They built like a full uh, basketball court. So, you know, during production, during shooting, Jordan could just when he was bored, uh, go out and play like pick me basketball, pick up basketball games with um you know, his friend's family and, and uh, various basketball players in, in California. It actually became kind of like a little secret game. You know, at the time, Jordan was retired when he when he, when he went out. He was um, considered like for his time, even then, like the best basketball player in the world of one of the best basketball players of all time. And when he retired, he it was kind of this mystery around, you know, he was playing like triple A baseball. Uh, but then he started doing these games and it started to kind of build like underground hype. So a lot of like at the time, like NBA players, alumni would kind of come to this secret Jordan gym to play. And, you know, I kind of think of, you know, I don't know if I'd say this movie is what brought Michael Jordan back into playing basketball, but you can kind of see that Michael Jordan, you know, didn't have his eyes set totally on retirement. He was playing basketball. He was kind of getting back into it, talking to people. And I feel like this was kind of the part of the process that helped jog him back to the sport. And allegedly uh, Joe Pinka actually claims that he had a role in getting uh, Dennis Rodman on the Bulls because, you know, Joe Pitka would also participate in these games. He would play pickup with the teams. And actually Michael Jordan said, like, why don't you ever play with me? Because he'd always play on the other side. Or sorry, he's like, why don't you ever play against me? And he's like, if I play against you, you're going to lose because you, like, crush everyone. Uh, but he, he apparently said that he had told Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, I guess, at this time was uh, was coming back or considering coming back. And he had suggested, like, well, why don't the Bulls, like, try to go after uh, Dennis Rodman? And Michael Jordan's like, no, that's not going to work. It doesn't make any sense. He's like, no, no, like trying to convince him on it. So later that day, allegedly, um, he went to visit Dennis Rodman at his, I guess, his Beverly Hills home. And then the rest is history. Dennis Rodman did come to the Bulls. So he kind of claims that he had a he had a little bit of a part with that. 
Um, so we do have a, a little bit of celebrity cameos. We have, you know, Bill Murray, who just he kind of just appears in this movie. He's pretty much just vibing the whole time. And then he shows up. Um, originally, he was just supposed to be there for that golf sequence, which makes a lot of sense because that's kind of like a callback to Caddyshack. Uh, however, he ended up kind of asking a little bit about like, how are you, how are you guys going to film these like green screen animated sequences? And they, they told him about it. They showed him it. And he was like, cool, I would love to be in it. And so they kind of that's why he's kind of just thrown into the movie. They kind of just slid him in at the end just to have some fun and some vibes. Um, so that's kind of the the production of Space Jam. Uh, do you guys have any other memories uh, before we get into the story about how this movie came to be or commercials or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, they had a huge marketing campaign. Like you said, very capitalistic. There was like Space Jam, everything. And I remember one thing when I when we used to go to K- KFC when I was a kid, they'd have that um, Michael Jordan basketball too. I think it was tied in with Space Jam too. And he had his handprint on the basketball. And I was tr- always... You know, when I was a kid growing up in the 90s, as I'm sure we all were, I was always trying to see how many hands I could fit into his hand because I have tiny hands and he has humongous hand. And uh, I, yeah, I love Michael Jordan. I love, I love Space Jam. I'm a sucker for this 90s nostalgia. What about you, Quinn? Yeah, no, um, it's funny that you say that because I remember going to um, McDonald's as a kid. And uh, after watching this movie this week, I, I actually, I was like, I need to see if my memory is not, you know, I, I need to see if my memory is as sharp as it is. Uh, so I go to Google and I type in um, Space Jam 1996 McDonald's toys. And I was right. They um, they used to have all the Looney Tunes characters on sort of this little block of plastic basketball court. But it was shaped like a puzzle. So if you got them all, they would all click in together to make this sort of mini court. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I don't know. Some guy was selling the whole set on eBay. (laughs) I was I was thinking about the cameos, too, in the film. And I just I was just reading that. uh, I was like, where's Shaquille O'Neal? And I was just reading that he has an uncredited cameo. And I didn't know that. But I was like, I wonder if Shaquille O'Neal is in Space Jam somewhere somehow. And he is, you know, so everyone's in Space Jam. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he must be because i mean the movie does make a lot of various cameos like there's that whole scene we'll get into there's a scene where they go to la it's before a lakers game the lakers are refusing to come out you see like ac green and a bunch of the you know the late 90s post magic era pre pre shack and kobe lakers and it's kind of like funny i forgot that they were in the movie they're just kind of there just to kind of give you know the greater nba world kind of a little bit of context it's kind of fun in that in that regard and we should note i mean those of people listening to this podcast their friends and families are probably old enough you know to remember um if not just kind of vaguely remember michael jordan certainly enough to have been around to have watched him you know if you're younger listening to this podcast if you're like younger than us it's pretty hard to stress like how big michael jordan was like even people i know who don't watch sports like even my girlfriend who's not a sports person like knows who michael jordan is like he for his time was bigger than probably any contemporary um you know north american sports figure i could think yeah, of even like lebron billion, james a billionaire um, i think too isn't he? yeah he became a billionaire and would later uh, purchase the uh, the charlotte at the time the uh the charlotte bobcats they're now renamed back to the charlotte hornets and he's still the owner and, and manager of the of the Hornets to this day they're uh, they've been kind of, it's kind of funny because Michael Jordan had such like a legendary NBA career but as an executive and as an owner um not so much he hasn't really had much success you know he when he when he first retired he came back was like a player manager for the uh the Washington Wizards he was actually a pretty good player with the Wizards before he retired but legendarily like he wasn't a good GM he drafted uh, Kwame Brown who was one of the all-time biggest busts um at his career right. managing the Bobcats and the uh 
And the Hornets has largely been unsuccessful. They haven't been a successful play, consistent playoff team. You know, they, they last year, I think they, they, they had like a LaMelo ball, one of the ball players, one of the ball kids joined them and they were, um, they were pretty good in that regard, but otherwise they weren't, um, they weren't uh, too successful otherwise in that regard. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about the movie. So the movie itself, um, it started of open, it opens up, we get, uh, it's like a flashback to, I think 1976 and then cue like the amazing soundtrack that I believe I could fly. I mean, the soundtrack for this <laughs> movie is so good. It's just classic nineties, like R and B. Our Kelly, our Kelly's not flying anymore. Thank God. But I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think it's allowed on TSA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that's kind of the one downside is like you know i i started listening like oh my yeah this is r kelly it's uh it's pretty uh you know he can't uh <laughs> he's had a he's had a rough post space jam career i guess i could say but uh i mean otherwise the soundtrack is bumping and it comes up all throughout mm-hmm. the movie we got you know the i believe i could fly we get the salt pepper we get basketball jones i forgot about that i mean this a lot of people actually know this movie because they if they didn't watch it, then got the soundtrack. They actually grew up with the soundtrack. And when I was reading up people's reactions to this movie, a lot of people were like, "Oh, I've never seen Space Jam, but like I used to listen to the soundtrack all the time as a kid." And I'm like, "Oh, it's kind of fun." So, well, it's uh, very interesting because yeah. if someone in the '70s would be like, "Oh, I grew up with like uh, Chi Chi Chong and Basketball Jones," and then you know if they watch Space Jam, they'd be like, "Oh, I know that's from Space Jam." So let's yeah, like- yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a little generation. It's kind of like uh, now with like TikTok, like people, a lot of kids know the the dream song by Fleetwood Mac from the video of the guy with the juice skating down like the, <laughs> That's right. you know, the, the highway rather than someone like, Oh, I grew up with Fleetwood Mac or my parents yeah. bumping it in the car or something like that. It's kind of funny. The- that's the cranberry juice thing. It's just like, yeah, yeah but you know Stevie <laughs> Nicks. It's like, no, I don't know Steve. Who the hell is Stevie Nicks? Yeah, I can't remember. that's that's 420 dog face. I can't remember the guy's name. That's, yeah. the- <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So it begins in 1976. It's weird to think about, you know, back then, like 1976 was only like 20 years before, you know, now if they were filming at the same time frame, that would be uh, it would be like 2001. It's like a flashback to then. So um, but anyways, it's, it's, a, it's a flashback to 1976. Young boys outside playing basketball in his parents backyard. It's Michael Jordan. And, you know, his dad comes out. Uh, James Jordan, I guess not played by, of course, James Jordan, played by um, fictional uh, actor, not fictional actor, real actor playing him. And his dad comes out, says like, son, it's after midnight. It's time to stop playing. And he's like, come on, dad, like just one more basket. It's kind of a little sweetheart warming moment. I imagine if Jordan actually watched, you know, this, I'm sure he's watched this movie, but if he watched it like opening night, he probably would have been a little bit uh, emotional choked up because famously his dad uh, was murdered, uh, killed before um, his first retirement and that's kind of considered one of the reasons he did retire was because he was so uh, affected by his dad um, his dad's passing he was very close to his father and his father loved baseball and so that's you know pretty a pretty important moment to him and kind of considered an important moment in the in the Jordan mythos uh, so to speak but anyways he's talking to his dad it's a sweet moment he's like you know one day I want to go play you know University of North Carolina it's it's really him the kid kind of mapping out like everything that's gonna happen he's like then one day I want to play pro and then, you know, at the end, he says, like, well, dad, like one day when I'm done, I want to go play baseball just like you. And his dad's like, baseball. Now, that's a real sport. It's, it's pretty funny. And then we get the great moment where he's coming inside and, you know, the magic's happening. He turns around. He's going to go for it. He's like running up, getting ready to do the layup. And then smash cut title sequence. I mean, probably the best part of the whole movie. It's like a great It's a great like cue, great moment. And we get that great title sequence, the come on and slam and welcome to the jam. As a Bulls fan, this entire sequence is pretty much just like porn for me. Cause like, it's just like showing all of the, the careers. It's a little montage where we get the title credits, the names smash between 
Um, the entire kind of life story of Michael Jordan is told through a montage of video and clips. We see him as like a high schooler in, in, in his high school basketball career, and then in North Carolina, where he was very successful. Then, of course, with the Chicago Bulls winning the three championships. And it's, I mean, yeah, as a, as a basketball fan and as a Chicago Bulls fan, I watch this and I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. But if, if you're not a basketball fan, you're probably just like, okay, it's fine. But like, what am I watching right now? I don't really have any connection to this. But um, yeah, and then after that, of course, it, it also kind of reminded me of like Rocky Three, the beginning of Rocky Three, where it's like, you know, you get the eye of the tiger and it's the montage of like Rocky, you know, becoming kind of more commercialized and he's kind of in like the Muppet show. And I think it's actually using real like cameos of like Sylvester Stallone and like, commercials and shit but it kind of reminded me a lot of that because i was recently watching uh the first rocky i was like oh this is kind of kind of like the same thing um anyways after that um we get um kind of a smash to michael jordan retiring from the game of basketball and then the camera pans up and it shows us our little uh cartoon more on i couldn't remember is it supposed to be the moon or i don't even remember what planet they're on it's just kind of like this generic planet that's somehow close to earth i guess i mean which is weird which is weird because like there's like one scene before before the game and there's like <laughs> there's like bumper to bumper LA traffic that all of a sudden <laughs> somehow goes from like the winding road and then it's like oh yeah it's so held back that it goes from like the fucking 407 in LA all the way up to space <laughs> <laughs> Man, do you think you think Toronto traffic's bad? You've never been to LA <laughs> space traffic. This uh, shit. Yeah. So we go to this like crazy, it's supposed to be like a little like Disney theme park, I guess, ripoff on on this world. Yeah, it's pretty the movie has a lot of like meta, like tongue-in-cheek humor, you know, more on mount. It's trying to like say, you know, it's basically just like laughing at its own audience of people that would go like, you know, see this movie or go to this theme park. And, you know, we have this uh, character played by Danny DeVito, you know, I'm the garbage man, <laughs> Danny DeVito playing uh, Mr. Swackhammer. You know, he's trying to attract new talent to this park. He has these like, uh, this, I mean, honestly, the story in this is pretty, pretty hard to follow. But uh, we have these like d- diminutive aliens. They're called the Nerdlux. And they're, I guess, is like his, he works, they work for him. Or I don't really understand the relationship, but they're, uh, they're there. And it's pretty like coincidentally, it's like, oh, how are we going to attract people? And he just turns on his like massive like wall of like 30 TVs. And like the first thing that comes up is the Looney Tunes. I don't know what channel he's on. He's got like 30 TVs of the Looney Tunes. And the aliens characters are like, oh, Looney. And he's like, oh, yes, Looney Tunes. Like, let's get the Looney Tunes to this planet. They'll be able to attract people uh, to come here and spend money and go on uh, amusement park rides and stuff like that. So uh, they fly down. The aliens get a little ship. They fly down to, uh, I guess, Warner Brothers land. They kind of like go through like the center of the earth. And it's like if you go into the core of the earth, that's where the Looney Tunes live. Uh, if you've ever watched the movie The Core, it's like, wow, they, they're not burning up or anything. That's good to, uh, good to know. But uh, Defiant they, science. <laughs> yeah, so they go there. And I think this is probably like this This kind of sequence, this all the way through, was probably like my favorite part of the movie because it's, you know, it's just kind of, it's not classic Looney Tunes, but it's a little bit like trying to be more like classic Looney Tunes. They land there and it's like a little scene with like Elmer Fudd chasing after Bugs Bunny. And that part was pretty funny. And then the like the aliens just blast my Bugs Bunny and they're, they're now going to try to enslave everyone in the Toon land. They're all this like gymnasium. It's kind of like a little town hall. Um, famously, I think, um, I think Chuck Jones or the animator behind Bugs Bunny, the creator behind Bugs Bunny, you know, he didn't like this movie. And he said that, uh, you know, I, he, I think at the time when he watched this movie, he was very old. He only passed away like a few years after this movie, but he had watched this movie and he said, you know, it, it He's like, he didn't like it. He's like, well, why didn't Bugs Bunny, you know, from the start of the movie, Bugs Bunny could have just stopped everything because, you know, Bugs Bunny is kind of like Deadpool before his time. He's kind of this like fourth wall breaking character who can just 
do anything. And even in this movie, like they're the aliens are going to enslave him. He's like, hold on one second. He pulls out this book and like writes a thing. It's like, oh, the rules of enslaving cartoon characters. He's like, if you want to do this, like you have to, we have to um, the challenge you first or whatever. It's it's pretty funny there. And we get a little moment where it's, you know, a reference to the movie Patton where Bugs Buddy's like wearing like a general's outfit and he's like talking to the yeah. his fellow cartoon <laughs> yeah, character. Yeah. It's pretty, That's it's funny. pretty wild. <laughs> oh, shit. So they show the aliens this little video talking about what is basketball. The aliens, the aliens are like, what is basketball? I don't even know what basketball is. And they show them out. They're like, oh, the NBA. So the aliens go. Um, and I think we should note, you know, during this whole time when all this crazy shit's happening, we get little snippets of Michael Jordan's life. He's playing baseball. And I should note, uh, you know, it's widely accepted that Michael Jordan stopped playing baseball or started playing baseball because of, you know, he retired. He wanted to play baseball for his dad. There's actually a lot of like conspiracy theories around why Michael Jordan retired. There's a lot of people to this day who believe that, you know, Michael Jordan retiring was because he had a serious gambling addiction. Famously, Jordan um, is a big, and still is, I think, a big gambler. And it suggested that he had money tied up to the mafia, the mob, mm-hmm. and that had something to do well, with the death this, of his father. This and that's movie kind of fills in the gaps a little bit, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, we're talking like, oh, Michael Jordan is famously a gambler. This movie is literally him gambling his life to like save these cartoon <laughs> characters. It's like, yeah, I'll literally become a slave if we don't win this game. It's like, wow, Michael, like settle down the gambling, you know, like chill out. But uh, anyways, he's playing baseball. It's pretty funny and like tongue in cheek. He's just like, I mean, let's just face it. Michael Jordan, this movie isn't the greatest actor. He's pretty wooden. No. <laughs> um, and especially once we get to all the green screen cartoon moments, he looks like he just look, could literally be anywhere else. Um, it makes a lot of sense why they built a basketball court in this like kind of lot where they filmed it because he was probably just like bored as hell during the green screen, green screen footage. And they're like, okay, go play like three hours of basketball with your friends. It's like, great. You can tell, you can tell too, like he really does not want to be there. Like this whole movie, like, like obviously I saw Space Jam as a kid and like I saw I saw The Last Dance recently and he's like oh yeah like I did Space Jam and whatever and like next thing you know he's like I took that personal but like no like <laughs> like ultimately like I was also a big um I was a big Michael Jordan fan like as a kid and like when I started watching basketball um in like 99 or whatever I was that I was a huge uh Allen Iverson fan but like yeah. Yeah, dude, like, <laughs> he, like, you can just tell that he was like, yeah, you know, U-Tune's got some, uh, I don't know what you have, but you have a lot of it. You can just tell he's like. <laughs> he's just like he can he, mentally be like, anywhere like, else. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, did I say my line right? Yeah, you did, Michael. Okay, good. I'm going to go play basketball on my private court that Warner <laughs> Brothers built for me, and I'm going to yeah, fuck off. Thanks for, thanks for this uh, free court, friends. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so we get that sequence where he plays baseball. He sucks. They're all kind of like, even though he's like terrible, he's like, he's just hacking at everything, swinging at everything. You know, the crowd is like cheering for him. His own dugout is like, woo, good job, good try. And then we get the introduction <laughs> of uh, Wayne Knight's character, Stan, who's this, I guess he's supposed to be like a PR person for this AAA baseball team. He he trips over and falls in the dugout. I mean, he pretty much, I love Wayne Knight. I, I think I love him. He's he's great as Newman. He's been in a lot, so many great movies, Jurassic Park, Park famously. Yeah. Yeah, Dobson, we got Dobson over here. See, nobody cares. Uh, and he's also in, uh, I recently, well, not recently, but a few months ago, I watched Rat Race and he has a great, you know, sequence in Rat Race with uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson where he has the heart. And I, I forgot how funny that part of the movie is. He's great in that. But I mean, in this movie, he pretty much just exists as 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 the 90s did, just making fun of characters for their weight or, you know, 
that sort of thing. He pretty much just exists this movie to be just like uh, a joke. Yeah, just like, oh, he's fat and stinky. And that's pretty much his whole character development in this movie. So probably probably um, kissing ass, you know, to Michael Jordan, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, that part was kind of dumb. But otherwise, like, anyways, he's in the movie and him and Michael Jordan kind of strike up this uh, camaraderie. Michael Jordan comes home to his family. It's I was reading like reviews and and um and commentary about this movie and someone's like that was probably michael jordan's real secret family <laughs> because like they're like all playing like fictional like the actors playing his own like family i'm like this, it's really weird to watch i imagine like michael jordan's actual family watch this movie and be like why do you have this like weird like fictional <laughs> who's your secret who's your secret family here what's really yeah. going on <laughs> it was filmed on location the secret family's house uh, <laughs> anyways the aliens go to new york city they're um it's it's this is a pretty fun sequence. It looks like it's filmed kind of at an actual, um, uh, probably like a season or a preseason game um, at Madison Square Garden. It's between the Phoenix Suns, famously with uh, Charles Barkley, and then as well with the New York Knicks. Uh, featuring, you just want to be. Uh, it looks like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> featuring uh, Patrick Ewing, you know Charles Oakley. It's pretty fun. It's like a great sequence between two uh, great uh, '90s basketball teams and the aliens. It's kind of classic, like they show up with like the trench coat and all the aliens inside. It's a very classic throwback and a, a little little cameo it's, by. It's um, very, it's very, it feels very Roger Rabbit too, with like kind of the cloak with guns inside. Yeah, it's very like '40s cartoon throwback, like the little rascals putting on the giant cloak to try to get in somewhere. It's it's very much that mode. And there's a little great cameo with uh, uh, I can't remember the, the the woman's name, but the man the man is played by Dan Castellaneta, famous the voice of uh, of Homer Simpson. He's there in the court. It's a, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, when my girlfriend, I'm like, that's him. That's the Homer Simpson guy. She's like, okay, whatever. But uh, that 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 meant a lot to me as as a big Simpsons fan. But uh, anyways, they start the game off. The aliens. It's a, they don't know how they even how to even explain this. These aliens turn into goo or g- gas, and they fly across the court, and they like go into the NBA players and like suck out their powers. If you've never seen the movie and you're just listening to this podcast, you're like, what the fuck are they even talking about right now? Cause <laughs> this movie makes literally no sense, but if you watch it, you'll understand. I'm not a big, I, I'm not one of these big, like movies have to be logical people. Like there's a lot of people out there who pretty much just terminally watch like cinema sins. are like, well, in this scene, this character couldn't do this. So therefore this movie's bad. It's like, you know what? Movies are meant to be magical. Weird shit can happen. Yeah, it's, but... not, it's not like a binary either. It's not like good or bad. It's like an experience, you know? So I yeah, and I think, sense that... yeah. And a lot of movies, especially once you start to get like watching surreal shit, they really play around with like what's true and what's not and kind of the logic of the movie itself. So I've never been one of those people who's like, eh, this makes no sense, but uh, yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Anyways, they go on the NBA players, they suck out their powers and then, Michael Jordan's watching in his hotel room. It's, it's all over the basketball. Apparently we see like Muggsy Bogues, uh, the Hornets. He's getting his powers sucked out. We get uh, uh, Sean Bradley as well. And, and they're all these players are getting affected. And um, you know, the rest of the movie is kind of split between kind of the animated sequences and the kind of live action moments. It was pretty funny watching this, um, you know, in our current moment, because all the scenes where it shows the real life, we, we get the scene when they're in LA and, and all the players are like, we're not going to play. There's some kind of secret play going around. They're like, okay, well, mask up. And all the players are putting on masks. I'm like, what a weird, like, callback to our current moment where, like, basketball players are freaked out about this secret kind of pandemic going on that's affecting basketball players. And everyone's, they cancel the season. I thought, like, watching this now, I'm like, I mean, like, it kind of, kind of a throwback to, like, last year with Rudy Gobert, like, touching all the microphones and then, you know, testing positive with COVID, like, a half an hour later or whatever. It was kind of a funny... uh uh, I couldn't get that out of my head watching that part of the movie. But um, anyways, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, his kids, are, he goes home. He's watching Sports Center. They're like, you know, dissing Michael Jordan, making fun of him. And he's just kind of like, whatever. He doesn't seem that flux by it. He's just like, oh, put on some cartoon Looney Tunes. The kids are watching and it's like 
we get like Porky Pig running in. He's like, no, there's no stop. There's an emergency. And it's like, I guess all the cartoon characters are gone. Uh, the cartoon characters, of course, um, go to play the Monstars. And now the mon- the these little aliens are now called the Monstars. They like suck out the powers of this basketball. And these little diminutive pip- pipsqueak aliens turn into these giant, huge, hulking, uh, demonic monster characters. They're pretty scary looking if you're a little kid. It was just, just massive characters. And now the Looney Tunes are like, oh shit, like we were going to beat these guys at basketball and now they're now they're way better than us. So, you know, they need, they need to get some recruitment. So, you know, the, the, the Looney Tunes, I guess, as a group decide to recruit Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's out playing golf with, um, with Wayne Knights who plays Phil um, or sorry, Stan rather. And then also Larry Bird and Bill Murray. This was probably like my favorite moment. Cause it's just so, you know, Bill Murray's just vibing in this movie. He's like kind of channeling his character from Caddyshack. And he's just like, he's just like having banter with Larry Bird, who, I mean, I love Larry Bird. And actually, if you were kind of like a younger generation who did really grow up with like 80s basketball, this was probably like your first introduction to Larry Bird, at least for me. Like, I didn't really know who Larry Bird was until I saw this movie. And I was like, oh, he's, he's like an older kind of generation classic basketball player. But um, I love the Lanny moment. McDon- Lanny McDonald hockey, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lanny McDonald retired like right after he won the cup with the Flames. And it's, yeah, it's kind of like the same thing. And um, it was a pretty funny moment where like uh, Bill Murray's like, Michael, you know, the NBA is running out of players. Soon they're going to need someone to join. He's like, can I play? And it's kind of a funny back and forth. And I love the part where he's like, it's because I'm white, isn't it? He's like, Larry's white. He's like, Larry's not white. Larry's clear. And I fucking cracked up about that part. That was probably my favorite joke in the in the whole movie. But uh, Michael Jordan, he gets a hole in one. Of course, the underneath the grass, like Bugs Bunny's using like a magnet and it and it goes in the hole. And then uh, Michael Jordan gets sucked into this tune world. What did you guys think about this part of the movie where... Uh, he's in this kind of cartoon land oh i loved it it was very like it reminded me of roger rabbit again too you know just like the kind of mix of the the kind of early animation and and kind of uh live action too and i love that uh very much too it's just so much fun to watch you know and uh you know it kind of brings back the nostalgia too watching those kind of like saturday morning cartoons which you don't really have so much anymore you know which is too bad um but yeah i really uh i really enjoyed that part <laughs> yeah no uh same with me like I, I'm a huge uh, Roger Rabbit fan. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And uh, I I always resort back every time I see that sort of scene. Uh, I always resort back to um, Bob Hoskins when he's like sort of hanging <laughs> off the building and like Tweety Bird's like, this little piggy went to the market and like <laughs> taking off like one finger and two fingers and three fingers. And he's like, like as he's flying down, like it's same thing. It's like Warner Brothers, right? It's like uh, Bugs Bunny's like, yeah, jumping without a parachute, kind of stupid, eh? Like, he's like, <laughs> well, he's scary. like, yeah, no, I, yeah, it's sort of that same vibe. And like, actually, I must admit, I think the, um, I don't, I don't like the editing in this movie because, like, I know you brought up, um there's like over a thousand shots in this film. And it's like every five seconds, uh, there's like a cutaway. So yeah. like, it, it's, it's like, it's an absolute, really, like really trying to get the kid's attention. <laughs> yeah. Joe oh Pink is God. a commercial like, director like and you it, can really see it. It's like an ADD. Like it, it's just all over the place, constantly mm. changing and changing. There's a lot of weird like zoom ins too. I mean, we're going to talk yeah. about it in a yeah. sec, but there's a scene I, where they go into like the house and they open up the door and there's like this big, hulking dog it's like it plays with scale a lot with like zooming and it's it's very frantic the movie has like kind of a weird frantic energy to it it feels like it doesn't feel like you're watching kind of like a a seasoned director 
when you're when you're watching this, that's for sure. What one comparison I was just thinking about with Roger Rabbit and Space Jam too. You know, I love both movies. I felt uh, you know Space Jam just feels so much safer too. You know, within Roger Rabbit, it has that kind of comedic, kind of lighthearted feel. But then there's those really dark scenes. You know, like there's that traumatic scene where you know. Dr. Death or whatever his name is, dips the sock in that talks. Oh, that's yeah. Tra- like, traumatizing. Yeah. 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 And then it, at the end, the revelation with Christopher Lloyd's character. I mean, that's absolutely terrifying, you know? And yeah. uh, I mean, Space Jam is always kind of a little bit more lighter, I think. In, in yeah. Roger Rabbit's kind of more of like a, a trying to be like a serious 40s noir yeah, with like baby, the, baby the animation. <laughs> and, yeah. And it added in, whereas Space Jessica Jam Rabbit. is just wholly uh, like a kid's movie. Although, um, Speaking about mm-hmm. Jessica Rabbit, uh, oh, after the Monsters uh, crush Michael Jordan, we get um, an iconic moment in internet furry fandom, the introduction <laughs> of Lola Bunny, which I, oh, I, I knew Lola going Bunny. in, I knew going in that Lola Bunny would be kind of seen as a little anachronistic and a little bit offensive, but man, her character, literally all she does is just like get hit on and uh, be horny and, and a sexy bunny, like the entire movie. I was just like, uh, this must be a weird movie now to watch with like your, your children if you grew up in the 90s, because her character is just this like, overtly like it's literally very, Jessica very Rabbit sexual, but ironic and sexualized yeah yeah I was like I was like, what the hell am I watching? this is like a this is one sexy bunny character uh, Lola she, Bunny I'm I am looking <laughs> respectfully because uh, is she is she um I mean how how are her basketball skills is she better than the kind of male but her male kind of counterparts I can't remember uh, yeah she's good I think she yeah. does like a dunking and stuff uh, she's an ad yeah. music character and, if, and I, I mean I'm skipping ahead but I don't really know much <laughs> about the greater Looney Tunes fandom but for what I know you know, she's in this movie and you know, for better, for worse, she's just a, a big, you know, dopey, sexy cartoon character in the greater Looney Tunes universe. From what I can tell, um, she was actually kind of added to the series as kind of like a Bugs Bunny analog. And I know she's now in the newest um, Space Jam played by Zendaya. I, I know they there was controversy because they they, they, taunt, they, they didn't make the bunny audience. sexy. They didn't make the bunny sexy. So grown <laughs> no men on the internet. No fantasies for these poor uh, incels. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Horny men on the, on the internet were mad that the cartoon, kids cartoon movie made the bunny not sexy. But, uh, you know, that's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> anyways, so Michael Jordan, I guess, you know, he gets turned into like a ball and dunked on. He's just like, he's pretty chill with everything that's going on. He's like, you know what? Sure, I'll I'll play basketball with you guys. And that's what starts the basically the, the last half of this movie, which is like almost like, 30 to 40 minutes of this basketball game and and um i don't know i i did enjoy some of the little skits and stuff in this game um especially some of the more like zany fourth wall moments but otherwise i felt like the movie really dragged at this part and i was pretty surprised because i thought like i was going to really enjoy the basketball part the most i was kind of dragging and i was just kind of getting a little bit bored but i don't know what did you guys think of the entire kind of last basketball sequence of this movie um what were sort of your favorite parts in it you want to go first well uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, Space Jam's an interesting one, man. Like, I've been a basketball fan for a long time, so it's like, seeing it every, like, you know, I don't know, I watch Space Jam, like, h- hardly ever now, because, like, I, I did watch it, like, quite a bit when I was a kid, and, uh, you know, my favorite parts of the movie, to be fair, are any any part with michael jordan in it like any any cut shot with any like any of the monsters any of the toon characters even though i was a looney tunes fan as a kid i'm like i've seen this like i've seen this way too many times like but seeing michael jordan in it is like it's cool i like the starting i like the basketball scenes but like the stretch dunk is like absolutely ridiculous it's like he's like he's half court and there's like two seconds left and i was like even with the stretch, this would never work. 
Yeah, and man, like, you gotta stretch faster. He's just like doing this. Yeah. It's like come yeah, on, he's like, like slow, <laughs> slow, and like yeah, man. I, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to bash the film, but like my favorite parts are like the actual film footage of a yeah. real fucking Chicago Bulls game. Like I don't know. <laughs> I I love and like I know you're a Bulls fan, John, but like I have a soft spot for the Bulls. Um, I had a Scotty Pippen jersey when I was like fucking 10 years old. I was like a huge Scotty Pippen fan. Nice. Um, and like that was just what I was into. I loved it. And he was one of the first basketball players that I liked. And I mean, Michael Jordan is the Wayne Gretzky of basketball. Like he's yeah. just, he's he's a hero to a lot of people and to a lot of people who don't even like basketball. So to see that final sort of scene, like I agree with you. I was watching it with the wife and I was like, I didn't realize that this entire movie was like pretty much one basketball game. Like just one. Yeah. It's one you game. Know? And it's a very, yeah. it's not a very long game. It's just like, it, it skips yeah. a lot of stuff. It's just like, all oh, right. Exactly. Skips to the last like quarter more or less. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's a lot more condensed than I remember. Every quarter. And like, uh, I recently watched like Mike, like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's a great one with, uh, yeah, with, I uh, like Ella, it. with, uh, with Bow Wow. <laughs> that's right. And like with that movie, it's just like, okay, like, he wins sort of like this ticket draw to play against yeah. a basketball player. And then he impresses the crowd and impresses the team. Then he gets on the team. Then he wows the team. Then he plays with the other basketball players. It's clearly a bite from Space Jam because, you know, Space Jam, like you said, you have like Ewing, Barkley, you got Muggsy Bogues, like all five, five of them. And like, mm -hmm. You know, and then like later you have like like Mike. You you know you got Vince Carter, you got Allen Iverson, you got like some of the greats at that time. But like yeah, ultimately speaking, that whole basketball game is pretty much the entire film. <laughs> it's like most yeah. of the movie. And I will well, I say about Space Jam is as boring as it gets at times. Um, it goes in and goes out pretty quick. It's a, it's a pretty quick movie. It's pretty punchy. It's only about 88 minutes long, so it's, it's pretty quick. And I, I also forgot, I forgot to mention, there is the two non-basketball game sequences that sort of happened a little bit before this and after, which is uh, True. where Michael Jordan needs the... He's like, I took this personally. I'm going to now play with you guys. Michael Jordan's like, I need to get my equipment. I don't have my shoes, no, my shorts. You got to go home. So uh, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck go back to his house and, and get the stuff. It's funny. They run into the kids and the kids are just like, oh, hi, Bugs Bunny. Hi, Daffy Duck. He's like hey kids we're playing basketball with your dad and they're just like yeah okay cool here have all this stuff i'm like the kids are really just like accepting what's going on <laughs> like they're pretty cool yep. with these like anthropomorphic animated characters just like showing up into real life and and uh and to this their house and just be like yeah okay you're you're totally playing basketball against my dad and then we get the great sequence where it's like talking with all the nba players it's like what's wrong with them and they go to like a psychic and she's like michael jordan is playing basketball with bugs bunny and they're just kind of looking at you like what the fuck and um you know they're getting various tests like freudian psychoanalyzed around couches and uh i love the part where charles barkley is like walking past the court of like girls playing basketball they're like come play basketball with us and he's just like a total dope getting like standing around getting the ball taken away from him and then i think curtis says he joked around last episode it's just like you're just a wannabe be gone, like, wannabe, get out of here be, be gone, gone. <laughs> be gone. <laughs> it's pretty funny because out of all the people in this movie i think more than anyone charles barkley's had the true most kind of post-career 
kind of like yeah, celebrity. He's, he's, you know, he's, NBA, he's an NBA analyst now, I think. Too, yeah, he's he on TNT. He's inside the NBA. He's pretty funny every like week. He's like, you know, on, on TV for, you know, halftime to talk about basketball. And he's kind of out of all the people in this movie, even Michael Jordan, like famously Michael Jordan, you know, he's still an icon, but he's kind of been become a bit more reclusive in recent years. He's not well, uh, as an executive. It, he doesn't, he's not in everything anymore. Whereas someone like Barkley's on TV, you know, every day. Well, I was, I was going to say like, I don't know what he's really been up to these last few years, Michael Jordan. I know uh, they wanted to get him back for the second, uh, a new legacy, but uh, they, they couldn't get him back. So they have Michael B. Jordan, who's a great actor, but I, I don't know how well he fits into the Space Jam kind of universe. <laughs> He's like, it's Michael Jordan. He's like, well, I'm a Michael Jordan. Michael B. Uh, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> He's Michael A. Jordan. I'm Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, don't get them mixed up. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, the basketball game goes on. They're getting crushed to start. And then, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, Bugs Bunny, to his credit, writes down, like, on the water bottle. It's like Michael Jordan's special juice. Or I can't remember what he said, but all the all the characters drink it. They're getting, like, hulked up and, and strong. And then the second half of the movie is sort of where the cartoon characters who previously were like seriously playing basketball and getting crushed they're now like why don't we just use our like looney tunes powers and i'm like well you should have did that from the start you, you know you wouldn't have been losing but <laughs> they start kind of fourth wall breaking dropping like acme dynamite in front of a character and <laughs> and they come back and there's 10 seconds left and you know i i did like the I, this was probably my favorite part where it's like showing all the characters who have like been you know injured and they're all like bandaged up and we see like uh tweety bird is in like an iron lung <laughs> it's like damn <laughs> this is pretty serious and then uh bill murray shows up out of nowhere he's like oh i'll i'll play i'll you know i'll be the your um your fifth forward and then he's actually pretty good he's like backhand passing the ball i'm like damn bill you got some hands <laughs> and then as like uh, as quinn said new, new side to bill murray <laughs> yeah you know michael jordan jumps up in the air to dog he stretches his arm out you know because he's told you know it's a cartoon world you don't have to you know obey by the laws of you know physics you can just do whatever and michael jordan's like oh i guess and he like stretches out his arm because he's a cartoon dunks the ball great to, yeah before this he's like you know, why don't we raise the stakes a little? How about if I lose, if you if you win, I'll come and be a slave on your planet. I'm like, Michael Jordan, don't you have a wife and a family at home uh, that we've seen throughout this movie? Like, you're just going to abandon them and like, because- Ready to risk own, it all. Yeah, I'm like, what a true gambler. Like, he's really like, <laughs> risk his whole family and, and children's livelihoods to, uh, to defend these animated Looney Tunes characters. But regardless, our hero wins the end of the game. Uh, the aliens that give back the powers and the aliens end up, uh, you know, revolting against Mr. Swackhammer played by Danny DeVito. They shoot him out into space and they join the Looney Tunes. And then Michael Jordan comes back on a spaceship just in time for his like AAA baseball game. And he lands Hilarious. And, and then he gives back his powers to all the NBA players. And then, you know, he's back. And this, as Quinn had said, they're actually using real footage at the end where it's showing the original game where Michael Jordan came back and, for the bulls i guess against the uh, orlando magic and um yeah. that's where that's where the movie ends and you know this movie came out in november 1996 uh, when this movie had already come out michael jordan had already come back and won a championship and would go on to win two more uh before the end of his bulls career so that's that's space jam in a nutshell um some additional notes about it before we just talk kind of a little bit about our general thoughts on it um this movie was like obviously quite a big financial success it grossed it had an 80 million dollar budget but it grossed like 250 dollars worldwide which i think now by well pre-covid standards you might say with all like the advertising money and stuff maybe that's not so good but actually you know it's more than double its budget so um it did pretty good gross wise was also very very successful on home video it was sold um on vhs uh, laserdisc and dvd obviously tons of merchandise i mean there was i think something like six billion dollars of total revenue 
just on merchandise alone for this movie, uh, you know, backpacks, comic books, toys, what have you. Also, there was a video game on uh, Saturn and PlayStation where it was a little like kind of like an NBA Jam remake with using Space Jam characters. It's pretty fun. And um, of course, this movie really helped to further cement Michael Jordan's status as kind of a larger cultural figure. Uh, you know, at the time, he was kind of becoming more of a, a presence outside of outside of North America, worldwide, becoming like a worldwide icon for basketball. You know, famously, as the movie showed in the opening sequence, uh, Jordan was part of the Dream Team, the U.S. basketball team that played internationally at the Olympics. So he was pretty successful in that regard. You know, this helped really cement him as an icon. And this kind of movie came out right Rich, after. His, richer than God. <laughs> yeah, return and championship. You know, the second half of his career, I think, especially. I mean, you know, people, a lot of people consider Jordan to be the greatest of all time around the time he first retired. But I think it was really him coming back, you know, this movie comes out a huge success, comes back, wins three championships in a row. And that really cemented him as like considered like the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, this movie also helped to really re revitalize uh, the Looney Tunes brand. I mean, Looney Tunes has been around for eight for generations. It was on TV even at this time. Um, but this would, you know, really help to further popularize, popularize it for kind of a younger audience. Um, there would later be another Looney Tunes movie. Um, directed by Joe Dante, Looney Tunes Back in Action, which I think is a way better movie than this movie. I actually really like Looney Tunes Back in Action. I think it's an underrated classic. Oh, I, I like this one more, I have to say. But we'll yeah, talk about uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, also, we can't help but talk about the Space Jam website. So for those of you who don't know, uh, for years and years, if you went www.spacejam.com, you could actually still go back to the original 1996 website. This was actually one of the first movie promotion websites to ever come out. You know, it's hard to think about it now because it's so ubiquitous with, you know, trailers put on TikTok and YouTube and there's online advertising before movies are even already in production at this point. Um, you know, but back in the late nineties, it wasn't really common for movies to have like an established online presence. This was sort of the beginning era of like movies having a website. And then, you know, back in those days, you would, you would go on the movie website and there would be like a, you could download like the QuickTime trailer that would take like an hour to download. So you could watch it home, like a 30 second trailer. And there would be like games and stuff online. And, uh, you know, this movie, this website had been around for a long time, but you know, in the 2010s, it was kind of rediscovered for kind of like a younger nostalgia mining for like a younger audience. And, you know, this movie, to its to its credit is now kind of considered part of you know 90s pop culture it's kind of a nostalgia movie now um more than anything else it's kind of just cited unironically for that and the movie's pretty the, the website's pretty funny but um I, I recently went back on the website that that was released recently because um they actually took it down and, and re-updated it for the new movie so when you go on to www.spacejam.com uh, it brings you to kind of this new website for the new legacy and you can actually play like a little pinball game it's pretty fun like a little flash animation game but when you go to the website there's this little icon in the corner that says space jam and you click it and you can go back to the original website which is kind of fun so they still they still have preserved it in that regard um, as i said there's a sequel so actually they started planning the sequel for this movie in 1996 like right after the first one came out they're like we like money why don't we just keep printing more money uh, but Jordan was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. At the time, I think, you know, he was gearing up to play basketball again. And and the project was pretty much just canceled there and then. However, the, the mid-2010s, it was announced that it was going to start back up a development, you know, with my, with now, you know, second legend, the kind of the new modern Jordan of his era, LeBron James. And that movie was in development for years. And then just recently, I think last month, um, it was released uh, theatrically and on HBO Max, the new uh, Space Jam, New Legacy. So it's kind of out right now and you can watch it yourself. Uh, in terms of greater influence, as I said, Looney Tunes came back a few years later with another Looney Tunes live, live action animated movie. 
Um, it introduced uh, Lola Bunny, the sexy, horny bunny character uh, in this movie into the greater Looney Tunes canon. Um, this had a big impact on kids that grew up in that era and, of course, have now kind of since joined the NBA. So the 2015 NBA uh, dunk contest, Zach Levine, when he went to dunk, he came out in the Toon Squad jersey and a lot of like the younger generation of NBA players like Levine's now is a little bit older. I think he's like 26, but folks around his age, are a little bit younger, a lot of them you know, sites growing up with Space Jam and how that was such a big impact. Actually, I was reading a, uh, um, an interview with uh, Blake Griffin, you know, the former center for the uh, Clippers, you know, a star in his own right was saying like, you know, watching Space Jam, that was like one of his favorite movies as a kid and he would watch it over and over again. So there's kind of like a new generation now of, of post-Jordan, post-Space Jam even stars who have come up kind of in the shadow of Jordan. It's this like larger kind of mythological almost figure. And they kind of really like love the movie in that regard. You know, it's considered now like one of the classic sports basketball movies, uh, kind of a bit of a cult movie. And it's, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's fun to think about Bill Murray's roles after this too. Cause you know, Bill Murray yeah, has so many interesting chapters in his career, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like, a, it's a weird confluence between like him and, and, you know, Jordan and like, and Looney Tunes. It's kind of a weird, it's weird that he's in this movie, but you know, it kind of exists in his own kind of personal mythos as like a, as like a Hollywood figure. So let's just talk generally about this movie and kind of give our, our score and review. Um, Curtis, why don't you go first? Because I think you might have been a little bit more positive on this movie than, uh, than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, you know, I, I, I look at it from a very nostalgic point of view too. And obviously there's issues too with the film, just like some of the CGI is a bit dated and uh, uh, some of the animation too. But I, I mean, it's just, it's so much fun for me to watch. Like I think when I, uh, when I watched it again, I just kind of disconnected from like the critical lens for better or for worse. And I went into, and I was just kind of reminded too of that kind of connection between Roger Rabbit, which I love so much, and uh, this one too. And obviously, I I didn't like, I didn't like a new legacy at all too. But I think also, you know, like I said too, I think Space Jam is this very much '90s kind of time and place. Um, but yeah, I loved, uh, you know, I loved I, the concept behind it. Obviously, very kind of huge marketing campaign behind it. But I loved seeing all the kind of basketball players and uh, kind of Looney Tunes and this kind of, uh, you know, these these monsters coming from space too and uh, I was kind of pondering too. I was wondering if it, maybe it's an allegory for something, but I, I thought maybe I'm, I'm reading into it too much. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved it too. You know, everything from, uh, uh, you know, Bill Murray to uh, uh, Charles Barkley and the want, you know, Be Gone, Want to Be <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to Michael Jordan too. And I mean, Michael Jordan was just so iconic just growing up too. And Bugs Bunny for me growing up too in my house, we always watched on Saturday morning. So yeah. it was really special and to see them all together too. It's just, it's such a weird movie. It's, it's, it's unlike anything else you'll see in the nineties. Mm. I mean, the, they did a lot of weird shit in the nineties. It kind of they, came and went, like it had a legacy, but it, it, there really wasn't any movies after that that really tried to be like yeah. Space Jam, but like a different sport or, you know, it kind of exists in its own little world. Which is well, there's cool. this, this weird kind of nineties animated films like the page master too, you know, and I remember watching that mm -hmm. growing up too. And there's nothing quite like the page master too, you know, it's Macaulay Culkin, you know, towards no. the very end of his, kind of nineties uh, career, you know? Yeah. Um, but, that's kind of a little bit of a dark movie too. Like even just like yeah. visually the movie's very dour and, and it's shots and shadows and stuff. It, it's, it, it feels a little bit more darker and edgier than a lot of, you know, kind of modern interpretations of, of kind of young adult movies coming out today outside of like kind of dystopian stuff, like, you know, like the maze runner and stuff like that. And nowadays in like, in, in like uh, stuff targeted for kids, if it's not like overtly dystopian, you know, it's kind of just like colorful and, and fine. It's kind of weird how that's, kind of become the mode now for like kids movies absolutely it's like it's weird now with a lot of modern movies too because they don't get too utopian or else it feels kind of fake or they lose the kids attention yeah. too so there's always kind of yeah. a darker element to it in some way although it's not as kind of 
you know, weird dark is the weird Disney phase that it was in the kind of eighties and nineties. Yeah. You know, don't no dark crystal or whatever. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's still, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, what's, what's the weird watcher, watcher in the woods. That's a, have you guys seen that yeah. one? That's a, that's a I weird seen Disney it, no. movie. It's a weird Disney movie. It's I think we're going to do that for a topic. It's like a weird Disney. Yeah. Movie. It's, it's like, it's like shit. Betty. I think it's Betty Davis. I think and she's in it too. And she's like this weird kind of woman in the woods. And it's like, is that Betty Davis? And it is Betty Davis. <laughs> so yeah. What, what did you guys, what did you guys? Oh, think? what would you give this movie out of five then? Uh, out of five, I would give it uh, four out of five. So very kind of generous, right. I know, but uh, yeah, I'd give it a solid <laughs> four out of five. <laughs> All right. Quinn, what do you think about this movie? Oh, oh, Space Jam such a mixed bag, man. Like it's such a mixed bag. I mean, like I know, I know you had mentioned uh, Wayne Knight earlier. Wayne Knight, I, uh, I'm a big Wayne Knight fan. I recently got into Seinfeld for like, I mean, I know I'm late to the train, but like, hello, Jerry, hilarious. <laughs> but like, um, you know, obviously, uh, big fan of Rat Race, big fan of uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, he did a few other movies, obviously too, and uh, I, I. Wayne Knight could be like, "Hi, I'm Wayne Knight," and like I started laughing. Like he, he, he's just funny. He's just really funny. Yeah. And, like I, my, my favorite part of the movie is like when he gets absolutely flattened and <laughs> like, at center court, and it's they like creepy. Yeah, it is very creepy. It's uh, it's very similar to sort of the the steamroller in. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of body horror in your children's animated movie. It's in, like... Yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? But like I don't know, they they like blow him up, and like the other thing too is like I didn't realize this. But like, there is a, a lot of fat shaming in space. Yeah, he's, they're just like, making fun of him as being a big guy. They're just like, you're fat and stinky. Mm-hmm. That's his entire. Yeah, character. every like, every like, yeah. I'd say every like twelve minutes, there's like, he's chunky, he's fat, he's this. Like, it's like constantly like fat shaming. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, well, like you're a cartoon character. You're a cartoon. Yeah, cat. it's, it's like this, this poor yeah. guy like hears it like ten times a day. You know, he goes home and probably cries. You know, just think of his point of view too. You know. <laughs> Yeah, the, the serious remake with him as the main character where it's like yes. him dealing with these you know abusive egos i want to see that movie that's what i want to see yeah no for sure and like uh, i don't know man like i personally give space jam like a 1.5 out of 5 just just because like the editing is brutal and it's like <laughs> it it like every time i watch it, it it gives me a headache like i'm like okay i'm i'm done because it's so it's such a Rubik's cube of a movie. It's like constantly like switching back and forth to this, to that, to this, to that. And it's like, it's constant. Like it's too many spoonfuls. Like let me swallow what I have in my mouth before you give me the next spoonful. It's constant. Yeah. Like, it's too much, but I will say this for nostalgia level. Oh, it's up there for me. Like it's up there, man. Cause like, I, I just remember watching it. I remember throwing the tape in as a kid and just being like, I don't know, just wow, man. Like, Michael Jordan's so cool. I love Bill Murray. And I didn't always love Bill Murray. I became a Bill Murray fan like way later, but like, I don't know. I like, I like the reference. I like yeah. how he's wearing number two. They reference uh, Groundhog Day, which is super cool. Yeah. And even like, even know. like when you go to back to like Wes Anderson's film, that was really my kind of Bill Murray awakening too, you know, Bill Murray yeah. phase too. Yeah. One of my favorite movies ever is Lost in Translation. But I like, that movie. I just thought, I don't know. Uh, I like uh, I like Bill Murray's sort of character and like like one of the tunes I can't remember who but they're like why are you here he's like well the producer's a friend of mine and it's like that's actually not bullshit like he's just like they're kind of trolling the idea of being on this movie because they knew the movie was like okay it might be a hit because of Michael Jordan and the time it came out but like 
you know, the movie isn't the movie isn't trying to become one of your favorites. It's not trying to take you away from what you're already watching. It's just yeah. sort of like here's Space Jam, take it like for what it is. And that's what I like about Space Jam. The only reason why I I rate it so low is because the movie's shit. Like yeah. The movie is is shit. Like I, I <laughs> as a movie. Now I will say this as well. It's like ever since I started writing reviews, like most other movie critics, I must admit, I'm turning into a bit of a snob, which I'm trying too, to yeah. sort of, which I'm trying to sort of change, you know what I mean? But um the fact of the matter is, is every time I watch Space Jam and it goes to credits, um I get sort of a melancholy feeling because um you know it is one of my like childhood movies and like i i did watch it a lot of times and you know i had friends that that got me into it as a kid that were basketball fans before i was and like the movie means a lot to me like if it was wiped out of existence i'd be devastated but like it the only reason why i watched it was because of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) because you know but you know like ultimately speaking um space jam will always have a place in my heart but like so do a lot of other movies that are absolutely like unwatchable, like un unrewatchable. But like yeah. most, or, of or to like, or to like visit them again, it kind of affect it changes your nostalgia. You're like, well, this actually wasn't a very good movie to begin with, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, I'm I'm a huge fan of comedy. Like the idea of him going like finishing this basketball game, and then they're like, oh. He still has the baseball game. And they're like, oh, really? Then he shows up and this like close encounters of the third kind fucking spaceship. <laughs> and he like lands. He lands in the middle at, like, of the second, diamond. Yeah, he lands at like second base. And they're like, <laughs> they're, like the grass the is ruined, buddy. We're gonna have to pause. It's this. like the hair is flying away. Like they have like high powered fans and like the 500s of this fucking baseball game. And then they're like, holy shit, he's late. Like no one bats an eye. They're like, okay. Uh, I hope can we get this game started? Like, I gotta piss, man. Like, this seems like a normal way for Michael Jordan to enter a like yeah. an event. Like, it, it seems relatable. It. You know, with Jeff Bezos now, you know, it's probably how he's gonna be traveling in like ten years yeah. from now. So, like, like at no point does like it's funny too because the crowd in the Space Jam game is like it looks like WWE fans today. They're all on like <laughs> they're all on like screens and they're all like sitting there. They're like like all you see is them going like. To the left, to the right, they're like going back and beating forth. their chest. Like, <laughs> they're yeah, holding like up no, signs like, like Austin 360. <laughs> I, exactly. There's like no energy. And then, like, once it goes to the baseball game, evidently it was filmed in like, you know, the Ottawa Lynx Stadium. Like, you know, shout out to like Ottawa Lynx fans. Yeah, Jeff Ford Park, like, baby. Yeah, exactly. So it's like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, thank God he's here. Oh my God. And the crowd's into it. But like, at no point do people are like, that was some crazy shit. They're just kind yeah. of like, he's here now. We can watch this like Barons baseball game and just like kind of enjoy the rest of the night. But anyways, um, for nostalgia level, it's a five. It's awesome. But for a movie, it's a shit show. It's a 1.5 out of five. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be in the same camp. I gave it a one and a half, too. Again, I picked this movie. This is my personal canon. And again, like Quinn, like this movie meant a lot to me. I watched it as a kid. I have a pretty recognizable moment for the first time I ever watched this movie. It's going to be stuck in my brain forever, no matter what. But the actual movie itself is kind of a mess. Again, I'm not a big logic guy. So a lot of the crazy shit that happens in this movie, the fact that, you know, Bugs Bunny just shows up and characters are like, oh, hey, you know, that stuff didn't bother me. Like I wasn't phased by it. I just think the movie is just kind of, a bit of a mess like the story's all over the place nothing even makes sense um there's no real lo- and, and logic for any of the decisions that happen in the movie like why does michael jordan even have to like care so much about this like he should just be like, you know too bad you guys are enslaved i mean it's good thing that he doesn't but um you know and i think like you know to his credit like uh the, the creator of uh the of bugs bunny character saying that you know bugs bunny kind of saved the day himself i think there's a little bit of truth to that like i'm a bit of a truth when it comes to like, looney tunes it's like bugs bunny really could have you know done all this himself the movie like i think the way it handles the looney tunes isn't the best and i think it's kind of crazy because this movie's now become such a huge cult classic whereas something like looney tunes back in back in action has kind of been lost to the sands of time i would say you know this movie is pretty bad i think looney tunes back in action is a much better movie and this is actually quite a good uh, if not the last real great looney tunes movie and i think that movie handles its characters with way more respect and way more humor than this movie does and yeah this movie's it's it's aged pretty badly in some regards like i think yeah as we said wayne knight's character he just exists to be to be fat shamed pretty much the entire movie like they're just making ooh, you stink and you're so fat like jokes the entire movie and you know after like two or three i was like okay like does this have to be his whole character modus operandi i feel like if they made this movie now they would maybe do like one or two like that and then they would have a moment where he just like dunks a basket or something i don't know they would they would give his character a little bit more respect and i'm like my god like little bunny in this is like totally distracting like it almost ruins the movie because it's so overtly horny and i mean the movie like the, the whole basketball sequence ends with bugs bunny just like kissing her it's just like I didn't really need this like romance plot line with Bugs Bunny and this like sexy girl. I love when Bill Murray shows up. He's like, okay, girl bunny, you go there. Boy bunny, you go. There. It's just like totally picking the movie apart. He's I love the director Ashley. now. <laughs> I do like him in the movie because it kind of gives the movie some kind of levity because he's just like not taking anything seriously, which I think is probably the best way to approach this because uh, for me, I, I grew up a big basketball fan, like rewatching this, it hits a lot of notes for me nostalgic wise, but as an actual movie, you know, Michael Jordan's not really good in it either. He's kind of just like going through the motions with his like fake family. It's pretty funny. Uh, one, one and a half for me, nothing too noteworthy. It was kind of a, a, a bit of a, a disappointment for a rewatch, uh, but I will get say to its credit, it's very punchy. As I said, it's about 88 minutes long. So it's about an hour and change. Um, and like some of these newer movies that come out that are like two and a half hours, you're like, I really got to sit through two and a half hours of, of garbage but no this is it's pretty much done it's to the point it's not wasting a whole lot of time which i really appreciated uh so with that our score is two one and a half and four that gives us a 2.3 which uh it's pretty low but i think that's fair i don't know i think it's pretty good anyway space jam you know you're all right in our books um you were in our favorite movie in some regard but um you did his trick and you'll live on because you know there's now a new sequel there's a whole generation of kids who will grow up with the next generation of this movie cult, and for better cult, for worse. Cult of Michael Jordan too. They'll come back in like a hundred years and be like, oh, it's a Michael yeah, Jordan. Yeah, when movie. he comes back as a cyborg <laughs> yeah. to take over, you know, North America, he'll have uh, he'll have his credit to him. So the next thing up is uh, what we watched this week. Um, I won't go for, I think, Quinn, maybe you should go first because you watched a lot of stuff this week. What did you watch this week? Uh, sure. Uh, I went to the Landmark Theater in Ottawa. It was my first time back at a theater since this uh recent shutdown for covid unfortunately but um i went my dad and i went and saw uh the new anthony bourdain documentary oh i love anthony bourdain (laughs) yeah me too called roadrunner and uh 
you know, overall good documentary, um, you know, very sad, but what I liked about it is they didn't, they didn't really highlight um, too much of anything. They sort of just like brushed over. They're like, yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't point, they didn't point any fingers. They just kind of showed his, his legacy and his impact, I guess. Yeah, yeah, cool. they, yeah, they had really cool, they had really cool footage of him, like, you know, being a chef and like, he was like, oh yeah, I was a chef in New York and I was a chef in Paris and uh, <laughs> I had a heroin problem that I got over. And then I did this travel show and I wrote this book and then oh. I got... Like, yeah, because it, it, was was very... it, it was after Kitchen Confidential when he got really famous. That's a great book. If you yeah, guys it was when it. the book came out. It's, yeah. it's great. I Kitchen have, Confidential, yeah, yeah amazing. I, I have the I have the book. It's a great book. But like, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was uh, for a two hour documentary. I felt like it was a bit long and that there was extra stuff in there. But like, ultimately, it just it just focused on like uh, sort of behind the scenes of his sort of career it was like, well, he was a writer and then he did this travel show he, like after this book and he went here and he was married to this person and then that crumbled. And then he was married to this person and that crumbled. Then this happened. And then sort of at the end, they're like, uh, and then he decided he couldn't do it anymore and he kind of hung himself and like, that was it. So like it didn't, it wasn't too dramatic. There was like some elements that were funny. I, re I recommend any fan to go see it um i won't get always my hero i will watch it <laughs> yeah i love i love anthony bourdain but i must admit like if you're going in expecting um you know sort of a a two-hour poetic episode of parts unknown like you're gonna yeah. be disappointed but um there was some really cool footage that me being a super fan had never seen before so like i definitely recommend it um the other movie i watched uh this week was little monsters which <laughs> another sort of like nostalgic movie for me uh it stars howie mandel and uh fred savage and ben savage as well for all those boy meets world fans um yeah bizarre movie weird movie basically about uh a kid who just moves into this like new town uh, with his parents who their marriage is sort of on the rocks. Daniel Stern actually plays the dad. And uh, this is like pre-Home Alone. This is 89. If it had been David Stern, it would have really tied into Space Jam, you know, just the commissioner. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but like basically Fred Savage plays older brother to Ben Savage in the movie. Um, and he just, he can't really get any friends and he doesn't really like the, the new town they're in and uh, things kind of go missing. And there's like unanswered questions at night. Like, you know, his bike gets put behind the car that gets run over when his dad's trying to go to work and he's all pissed off. And he's like, I didn't put it there. And one thing leads to another. And they find out that Howie Mandel is playing this monster and he kind of like comes out from under his bed at night and he's sort of fucking with the house. And um, I don't know, I guess too bad Macaulay Culkin wasn't there to like stop the bullshit, but <laughs> yeah, he had, the uh, movie he had the movie traps already to get rid of them, you know? Yeah. yeah he shows yeah. up like a shotgun. He's like, I've been through this already. I've had enough for <laughs> yeah, you crazy yeah. for more. <laughs> yeah. I got the paint cans now, bitch. But like, no, like, uh, like ultimately speaking, um, he basically sort of catches Howie Mandel's monster character and they become friends. And it's sort of like a, it, it reminded me sort of of Shazam a little bit, 
like mm. later on obviously or like you know the genie and the kid like they become friends and whatever and it does have an emotional ending but like not a good movie do i recommend it absolutely not but <laughs> it's one of those movies that like i would just howl my mom i'm like oh can i just rent this one more time she's like you rented it last week you idiot all right fine go rent it it's like i just kept renting it as a kid and uh i managed to get a copy of it on vhs and i was like okay i gotta watch this um for like the hundredth time and like you know it's just i don't know go check it out little monsters you might like it it's a shitty 80s movie that's fun uh and it's good for kids and it's good for yeah. adults fun to see howie mandel too in there too so that's kind of cool howie mandel is awesome man like before the germ thing like you know he was like yeah, it's a bobby's world yeah yeah good call man <laughs> bobby's world was awesome um but yeah, no, check it out. Little Monsters, it's it, it's a fun little 80s flick. And actually, it'll it'll leave a lump in your throat at the end. But uh, the last movie I watched this week was... I'm continuing the uh, the stream of Harry Potter. So I'm on Harry oh, Potter's great. Week, But I watched uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I watched it yesterday. And uh, again, holds up probably the darkest of them all maybe arguably gary oldman a serious black is an absolute badass um very cool movie man it's just very cool movie i i must admit though there is a lot that i thought i remembered um that wasn't in the movie it kind of it, it the movie sort of ended and i was like i thought there was this and i thought there was this, the rest, I thought yeah yeah like I swear to God, Dumbledore's in it for like five minutes out of the entire two and a half hour production. Malfoy's barely in it. Yeah, I think they like other than <laughs> other than him yeah. getting like chewed up by Buckbeak, Hagrid's like giant chicken, and like him getting absolutely slaughtered in the face by Hermione. That's pretty much it. That's I like guess, I guess they had to cut it a lot too with the content because the books are just so huge by that point too, right? That's true. Yeah. That's very true. And like and. The next one that I'm gonna watch at some point uh, is the Goblet of Fire. Which oh, it's is, a great movie! Yeah, I yeah, what argu- arguably my favorite as well, and uh, very very cool. But that was it for me. Uh, what about you, John? What did you watch this week? Oh uh, well, I'll go quick because I just watched one thing. But I'll just say with that with the Prisoner of Azkaban, you know, directed by Alfonso Cuarón. Like I think that movie has some really great, you know, direction. The visuals, yeah, those, those famous like long shots very like short editing it's very like like kind of hanging on to different um characters and moments like the scene where the witch is going up the the train cart and she opens the door it's like room service so they get like a big gust of wind she's like i'll come back later and it closes the door like there's a lot of funny moments like that where you just get a lot of lingering kind of moments um but yeah i think i think the reason one of the reasons why you might like have thought there was different scenes is i think that movie kind of visually that one and the fourth one and all the ones to follow kind of have a lot more of a kind of a consistent visual style. Whereas I think the first two are, they, they, they feel a little bit more like kids movies. Like they're a little bit more uh, charming, classic adventure style. Whereas I think, you know, the, the series takes definitely a lot more of a dark turn uh, following that. Um, so I'll go quick though. I, I just watched one movie this week. I, it's a long weekend this weekend. So I think by the time we do next episode, I'll watch a lot more to, uh, to talk about, but um, I was at the, uh, you know, the movies are back baby. I was at the Mayfair again yesterday <laughs> I went and saw the uh, 1996 David Cronenberg 
uh, classic crash. It was fun because actually before the movie started, there was like a little, it's the 4K restoration. They had a little like blurb. It looks like Cronenberg filmed it on his iPhone in like a car in his garage. And it's just <laughs> probably like, did. hey, welcome. He probably yeah, did. He's like, hey, he's just like, he's like, welcome. He's like talking a little bit about the movie, like kind of how it came out and how kind of controversial it was when it released. And it was him talking a little bit about the movie. And then that started the movie. And um, I mean, I don't, you know, we have a kind of a very audience of people who listen to these episodes. Some of you might just be like, I like Star Wars and that's it. Some of you might be like more into weird shit. If you're in yeah. the, if you're in the later camp, you like weird stuff. Uh, you might really like this movie. If you're in the former camp of like, I like Harry, Harry Potter and I like uh, Lord of the Rings. If you watch this, you might think I'm a total fucking degenerate pervert because this movie is. Um, <laughs> well, there's the book too. Is the book's pretty dark, heavy too. Yeah, it's it's by the the JG Ballard the uh, book I believe. And actually, I was watching again. Like, I love watching the old classic like at the movies with like Roper and Ebert and Siskel uh, and Ebert, and they're like talking about it and uh, they're talking about this movie and. and and uh, Siskel like, hates it. He's not really into it. And Ebert, <laughs> strangely enough, is into it. It's weird. Ebert's always like really kind of weird when it comes to depictions of sex and misogyny. But he's like, this movie, I loved it. He's, he actually said this movie is like, um, it, it's like watching porn, but without the, <laughs> the eroticism is swapped out with car crashes. And I think that's pretty much a great way to move, put this movie. Yeah. Down. High level. It's a uh, David Spader, Holly Hunt's in it too. It's about, uh, I can't remember the actress who plays da- uh, David Spader's wife, but basically this couple, um, they're kind of their relationships a little bit dysfunctional, but they're trying to kind of revitalize their their sex life. David Spader gets in a car accident, which kills uh, Holly Hunter's husband, and he like he like looks at her, and they have like a, a an erotic moment. And the movie's kind of exploring this kind of group of people that are kind of really sexually into car accidents and it's it's very it's, it's really like weird much, paraphilia yeah yeah and much like Cronenberg you know a lot of his stuff focuses on conflicts between like body and technology kind of like techno horror or kind of like you know bought you know sexuality afraid of, afraid and stuff of, afraid of shopping malls yeah 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 and this movie really focuses about kind of you know people's fixation on like sexuality when it comes to cars and technology yeah. and we see like kind of the aftermath of that we see characters how we consume like, how we consume it too yeah yeah we see characters like their the leg like like david spader after his accident like he seems pretty mild but then you see him in the hospital he's got like his leg is just completely shattered he's got metal rods sticking out of it it's very uh the movie really plays into that kind of the melding between kind of man and machine. Too, yeah. And um, but that being said, it's um, it's it's a lot a lot of sex in this movie you haven't caught on already. So um, maybe don't yeah. watch this with your mom and dad if you're at home. They might they might think you're a little strange. But uh, well, I was I was telling say- I was telling Quinn too. I said you know speaking of technology and, and meshing it with humanity, I was telling Quinn you got to watch Videodrome. It has Debbie Harry and it has you know early Cronenberg. It's it's great. Yeah. Or if you want really fucked up, watch like Tetsuo the Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really want something. Yeah. The metal, crazy. the metal, the med- the drill penis. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gotta say, like I, I did, even though the movie, the subject matter is pretty wild. I, I did really enjoy it. I think the movie, to its credit, like there's it, a lot of really like erotic scenes that are actually not really that erotic. But I think that the movie really sells, you know, this kind of coterie of people who are just kind of fixated on like cars and eroticism. And I think there's a scene where like they're all kind of at this yeah. gathering, and the police show up, and they all kind of scattered it. You can't help but read the subtext of talking about, you know other alternative sexualities like lgbtq yeah. and, there's, and there's all these and, weird kind of weird niche paraphilia too you know there's like i don't know there's like i don't all these weird you know yeah se- and, and sexual niches and people don't and, really and talk frankly, about them yeah and, and i was before the movie i was reading some kind of contemporary kind of reviews about it or sorry for its time i guess like when it when it first released in the 90s 
you can frankly see in a lot of the negative reviews, a lot of kind of like coded, like anti, like LGBTQ. It's like, this is a perverse, disturbing, like this, it's like really like attacking the community yeah. people. And I really was sympathetic to this community. I think the movie is kind of presenting these people as, it's not really video, saying- Video, like, video nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's not really saying that these people are like immoral or wrong. It's just kind of presenting it as is. And you're just supposed to kind of interpret it the way that they are. And I, I really like that. I, I liked how it kind of explored this culture. But yeah, that being said, yeah, a lot of a lot of sexist movies. So if you're sque uh, squeamish when it comes to that, or if that stuff's a little, uh, you don't want to watch that with your partner, maybe save this for a, a personal watch. But I really yeah. did like it. I thought it was pretty disturbing. I thought it was uh, at times uh, very erotic, but I thought it was also very um, just interesting the way it handled its material. And the visual style is amazing. Cronenberg's a great visual director, some great, yeah. excellent shots. I think James Horner, I, or sorry, Howard Shore did the score. A lot of like minimalist guitar work. I thought it was the music in this was, was incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so that was yeah. just me this week. What did you uh, watch, Curtis? Oh, just before we, uh, we finish up there, I just want to ask if you guys seen uh, Brandon Cronenberg's new film, Possessor too, because I love David Cronenberg always brings a lot to the yeah. table. And his son has actually done a really good recent film, uh, came out last year, I think, Possessor 2. And Sean Bean's in it, too, actually. He plays uh, this kind of Gordon Ramsay, like, <laughs> posh dad. Yeah. Total I like Possessor, yeah. I thought it was really yeah. good. And you can it's, see... It's I heavy, mean, isn't it? But Yeah, I haven't seen all the Cronenberg works, like his, his father, but uh, I could kind of see a little bit of, like, this movie yeah. in that, too. Like, this movie is so focused on kind of, like, body, the body horror of, like, being in these mangled accidents and, you know any single accident can be like the hottest moment of your life where you're going to like want to fuck the person you're with, or it could be something that just utterly kills you or decapitates you. And you know, one of the, I don't want to spell too much, but one of the main plot lines in this movie too, is uh, uh, this character who's kind of obsessed with recreating like famous car accidents. You know, there's like a, they're trying to recreate like the Jane Mansfield crash where, you know, she was killed and her head was like lobbed off. It's really like kind of disturbing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but yeah, what else uh, did you watch uh, this week? Uh, Curtis? Yeah. So I have three films on here too. Um, so uh, the first film I watched was What Haunts Us, too. So this is a film that was sent to me by a friend. It's a documentary. came out a couple of years ago, too. Uh, so I have a bad habit of always watching these very kind of heavy, very disturbing documentaries. Yeah. This is about <laughs> uh, a sexual abuse scandal at a, a Port Gaud, which is a high school in, uh, I believe it was in Florida. Probably got the state wrong. But anyway, it looks like kind of the abuse scandal, too. So there was this kind of very popular teacher, and he kind of groomed and kind of abused a lot of the boys that were there, too. And I mean, this it was kind of textbook example of, of kind of child abuse, but also it looks at kind of the complicity too. And obviously this isn't a new topic too, uh, but the documentary filmmaker, she actually went to the school in the eighties. This is when the abuse was happening and she was, she was a woman. So he only went for young men or boys, I guess. Um, but there was a kind of a, a, a surge of kind of these uh, uh, graduate suicides too. So she really wanted to investigate. So in a way it's kind of therapy, I think for the abuse, which works really well. She also looks at kind of the complicity because the headmaster uh, with, knew about it but he didn't really do anything and I think the principal was involved to some degree too it really really fucked up <laughs> um, but yeah I think it looks at kind of complicity and you know to some extent you know the people who are complicit were even arguably worse than the offenders in some way too and the kind of how it how it uh, destroys their life too so they had a lot of the people stepping forward and kind of giving testimonies too and uh, it was really well done I mean it wasn't you know the first of its kind, obviously, but obviously a very important story to tell. And it, you can tell there is a kind of catharsis for the people who were abused too. So hopefully it help, helps them heal too. But again, yeah, it's not one of my <laughs> easy documentaries. So it's kind of pretty heavy going, uh, but I think it was pretty well done. Uh, I also watched The Boy Behind the Door, which is a new shutter feature. This was really well, this is really well done. Yeah, I came out on Friday, I think. So really new. And as I said before, I think a lot of the shutter films are a bit of a mixed bag. This was a good yeah. one. It stars two kids who get uh, abducted. 
and they go to this house too. And I, I don't want to give too much away to, I think the, the first third of the film works better because we have this setup where the kids are abused. We see them getting kidnapped. And then there's this absolutely terrifying machine. We have all these jump cuts. And then it cuts to the scene where this kind of unknown figure opens the trunk of this car and the kids are screaming and duct tape and crying. And I was like, I was, I, my heart was racing. I was so like terrified. Um, and I think as the film goes on, I mean, it's, it's really good. Basically the kids get in the house and one of them escapes and he kind of tries to help his buddy out to escape the house. And the kids are really excitingly resourceful, almost too resourceful, I think. So this kind of turns into this cat and mouse game and there's some reveals and plot twists, which I won't get into. There's a very uh, explicit shining reference to where one of the, the villains kind of takes an ax and kind of cuts down the door. And we even have the kid like slash this person's hand with a knife too. And I'm like, well, this is straight out of Kubrick, you know? Um, it is very good though. And I, I did really enjoy it, but I do think the first third works better when you don't know as much about the killer killers too. Their, their motive kind of remains ambiguous. So you don't really know why they're, you know, kidnapping these kids too. I, you know, maybe they're just perverts or maybe there's a greater kind of human trafficking ring. We don't really know. Uh, but I was really, you know, I like, I like really resourceful children too. And it's not like one of those horror movies where, you know, the main characters do stupid things. Actually, the main characters do smarter things than the adults would do. I, I was really like rooting for the kids the whole time through. So I think it's about an hour and a half. It's, it was really well done. I thought um, kind of nice for a Saturday or Sunday night, I think uh, viewing, but obviously that first third works better. It's almost like the brutality of a Stephen King novel, you know, with the, that one trunk scene scared the shit, shit out of me. Um, <laughs> and uh, the final film I watched was Zola. Uh, oh, cool. so this, is, this is an A24 film. This just, it's, came uh, out too. just came out. Yeah. And I, uh, well, it's probably quite foolish. And I, I really want to, I just did, I did really well in my German test. So I want to kind of treat myself. So I, I decided to, you know, be a good uh, non-pirate and uh, rent it for $14 on YouTube. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like A24's uh, productions a lot too. It's a really great uh, uh, studio. Um, and this one's starring Riley Keogh. I think Keogh, I think is it? Yeah, is she's Elvis's yeah. granddaughter, isn't she? Elvis's granddaughter. Yeah. I, I have a right. crush on her, yeah. I've seen her in everything from the house Jack, that Jack built, Lars von Trier. Yeah, film. that was supposed to be good, yeah. Yeah, that one's good. And she plays one of the victims, but it, it's just so well done because that film makes us kind of confront, uh, you know, the way that we kind of, you know, there's this disturbing kind of hero worship sometimes or cult worship of the serial killers in America. And uh, Lars von Trier is controversial to see as he gets, it more forces us to confront that. But anyway, with this film, uh, it's about, it's based on a series of tweets, I think, too. It's also starring Taylor Page, who's, who's yeah. also great. Um, and she, t- it, co- it starts off from Taylor Page's point of view. It changes to Riley Keogh's point of view, too. And uh, it's based on the series of tweets that was released. It was 128 tweets, I think. It was like this Twitter story, all kinds of stuff, like uh, prostitutes, prostitution, pimps, uh, you know, drug deals gone bad, people held at gunpoint, murders, suicide. I mean, it has everything, too. And it's kind of... T- told in this kind of uh, mundane kind of style too. It's almost kind of boring, but it's very stylish, like very style, highly stylized the film. There's a lot of jump cuts. Um, I mean, when you think about it, I don't even know how to kind of explain the plot, but a lot happens too. And we also have from Riley Keogh's point of view, her character to Jessica, I think her name is. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, I love A24 stuff. I love Riley Keogh, obviously. Uh, but I, I don't know. I felt it was a little bit slow in parts too. I wouldn't rent it for $14 <laughs> to be honest, but I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad I did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's very visually stunning too. I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot of the kind of reviews I was reading about it. They said, you know, it kind of taps into that kind of hollowness of the kind of Twitter kind of lifestyle, which I can kind of see too. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to get out of this film <laughs> too. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's very 
visually stunning. I'll give it that. But I thought it was it was okay. So I would go with the other two films, What Haunt What Haunts Us, and also uh, The Boy Behind the Door. But they were both good films. I didn't cool. see anything outstanding this week, but. Well, I love chatting about these because we, I, it adds, it gives me more movies to recommend to watch. Because like, there's, like I, I see the trailer for Zola look pretty good, but I didn't know about, uh, I didn't know much about the, you know, Quinn, the, the, um, the Anthony Bourdain documentary or uh, yeah. Curtis, like the new release from uh, on Shutter. So I'm gonna have to check some yeah. of these out. Because, well, I was uh, excited to hear about Quinn. I, I mean, I, I can't watch it in theaters here. I probably have to go to Stuttgart, but I mean, I heard it is coming to HBO Max. So I can probably sneak on HBO when it is out and watch it on there, maybe. <laughs> Cool. For sure, man. My my IMDb list just keeps growing. <laughs> so it's like the yeah, never ending watch seen, list. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Crash and I haven't seen the movies that you watched this week, Curtis. So yeah. uh I, should know Crash, the 1996 one, not the racism one that won the Oscar. Different Crash. If That's you go right, and yeah. expect the other, you're gonna be very shocked. Uh, either way, I think. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Oh, wow. This was fun. Um, I mean, Space Jam is not the most exciting we would talk about, but I'm, I'm happy that I was able to talk, discuss. It's, it's nice to first... revis- revisit it, you know? I think it's important. Yeah, and some of these movies we haven't seen, uh, any like some of these canon movies that we're going to be talking about, I haven't seen some of them, the ones that I'm picking like in in years. So it's kind of fun to look back and, and watch them and see what's changed. I think one of the weird things about getting old, I mean, we're not old. We're like almost 30 or, or we're in our 30s. The thing that uh, now that I'm starting to reach my 30s is that I can actually look back on things that I was like tangibly old enough to really like process and remember that like a whole new generation it wasn't around for there's kind of like a revisionist history and it's kind of fun to look back you know with you know like I remember when this came out I can speak to it but there's still little things when you miss when you when you look back on because you know time changes your own interpretation of things and uh well, it's gonna you know, be fun to revisit some of these movies when we get to my, my movie in a few weeks into the wild too I find it's one of those films that kind of your 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 feeling towards the film changes you know when you're 20 compared to when you're 30 to probably when I'm 42 and I'm excited to see like how I'll think about it when I'm 40. I, I still love it. It's still my favorite, but I mean, yeah. So for our audience listening, um, thanks for listening to this episode. We've got other stuff coming up. So I guess again, again, as we alluded to, we're going to be kind of going back and forth between the same type of topics. So um, next episode, we're going to be jumping back into our Carpenter wagon, going back on the Carpenter wagon, watching uh, the next John Carpenter movie, which is Assault on Precinct 13. I've actually never seen it. I know, Curtis, you've watched it. You've oh, been it's so about much it. fun. So yeah. I'm excited. I've read about it. I'm like, this sounds like this is going to be like a movie I'm going to be really into. So I'm really excited to watch that one. And as um, as Curtis and Quinn said, we're going to be watching, doing more of kind of our personal canon movies. Curtis is going to be talking about Into the Wild. And Quinn, you're going to be talking about Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Psycho. So some pretty exciting movies coming up. And I think we're going to jump back into doing some more special topic stuff like that. So stay tuned. Uh, if you're listening to us, just make sure, of course, that you're you're subscribed to whatever feed. If you're if you have the RSS link, you can find it on Anchor. Uh, plug that into whatever uh, podcast app you have. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Get those notifications so that way when our episode drops, you'll see us. I will recommend though if you're if you're listening on Apple. Um, Check us out. Give us like the little five star rating, a little comment. That stuff apparently helps. I don't know anything about these giant tech giant algorithms. It's crazy I'm algorithms. Sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure if you give us like five stars, it like bumps us up. So the chances are someone will will be stumbling upon looking for movies and they'll and they'll see what we're talking about. So that that might be pretty fun. Um, any otherwise, does anyone have anything else to mention or plug before uh, we wrap this one up? This one was fun. It was a little bit shorter than I think our most recent episode, which have been like giant two hour Walker, talks. Walkers, so hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's a little bit punchier for some of you with uh, the shorter attention spans. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you're on Instagram, check me out. Uh, Seat Struck Reviews. Uh, just writing about movies. I got uh, I was telling Curtis, I gave Curtis a little sneak peek before we uh, recorded today. Um, I'm doing a a seat struck tober 
uh, 31 reviews. I'm picking 31 horror movies, just random ones. Some of my favorites, some movies I haven't seen before. I'm just going to throw them in there and just do a review a day. So be on the lookout for that in October. Cool. Um, we might have to do a bunch of horror discussion in October. We should, well, we have all, all the good podcasts do like themed like events. So we're going to have to like, yeah. I could do I could do I could do horror films and and Halloween films all all year long. I could do oh it every God, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, sure. Curtis, anything great for you? Plug. Uh, I, I'm gonna have another back row review soon too. Uh, I'll keep you posted cool. with that too. It's not quite out yet, but probably when we get to August, which is tomorrow, I guess. So I'll be uh, more details about that for the next for next time. Cool. And, what, cool. and, for, and for you? Uh, for myself, uh, again, I, I'm I'm working on a little article for my. A personal Substack, which is uh, John Cakes uh, dot Substack. I've, I've been also... watching the domestic pints only too, and I've been really oh, enjoying. Have that you? <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, check <laughs> out my uh, my other podcast, uh, Domestic Pints Only, a uh, podcast about beer and friendship. Um, we've got a bunch of episodes uh, in the bag that are coming out too. You can find us on all the apps, same place you found this one. If you the, like the, beer, if you like my dude, my, Germ- my, Germ- my German friends were all very intrigued about the uh, oh the really beers. So, yeah. Oh nice! I think we were gonna maybe start doing some like international beers too. So if your German friends have, if there's some beers that are you know here in Canada that you know might be popular in, in Germany if they're imports, uh, I'd, I'd love to check them out too. Yeah, so. the Hefeweizen are very good. They're like the wheat beer, so I think they have those cool. in the studio. I think so. If you see those. Cool, cool. We're recording an episode later today, so I'll, I'll be sure to give a plug for our, our new recent German listeners on our, on our show. Um, also, myself, I'm on Letterboxd a lot. I, I post, you know, reviews, just rambles there. Um, I've been getting a lot more traffic there, which is cool. So thanks for if you've listened to this pod and you followed me on there. Uh, appreciate it. So uh, Johnny Cakes 91 Letterboxd, just search me up uh, my name. You'll you'll see me. You'll recognize me. And yeah, that's, that's, that's all for me. Um, anything else before we uh, conclude uh, that, you know, that's all folks before we wrap up this, uh, this episode. That's all for me. Yeah, that's uh, all for me too, man. Uh, all right. Yeah, yep. down with you guys. All right, cool. Well, I guess that is all, folks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week.